just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well. Now, I know there's a lot of folks that are struggling through a snow and ice storm. They tell us it extends from Texas all the way up to Maine, so it covers a lot of the south, the east coast, and some of the Midwest. It's affecting maybe 100 million people. Now, I don't know how much snow they're going to get, but presumably 8 to 10 inches, something like that. But when you mix snow and ice together, it's a, very much a problem. Having experienced it here in Minnesota many times, it can knock out electricity, uh, not because of a grid failure, but because it'll take down lines. The snow and the ice gets very heavy on the lines. It makes them brittle and they can break. And then all of a sudden, people don't have electricity. Now, with this storm, a lot of people were concerned about Texas because we know what happened last year when they got some unusual weather, some snow and ice and cold. Their little independent grid there failed, and a lot of people suffered through that situation. We had a lot of people without heat, water, food. They weren't able to travel because they didn't have plows and those sorts of things down there. So the roads, even if it wasn't a lot of snow by maybe my standards in Minnesota, it was still difficult for them to get through. So it was quite a problem down in Texas, and there was a lot of egg on the face of Greg Abbott. Now come this time around, uh, before this storm, Greg said, oh, there'll be no outages. And then when the storm got closer, he says, well, you could probably expect some outages. Now, so far, the only outages we've heard about were things caused by the weather, not a grid failure, thankfully. But last report, there are 50 or 60,000 homes without electricity. That's a lot, but it's not anywhere near what we saw last year during that winter storm. Hopefully, they learned some things and they uh, tightened things up on the grid. As I've said before, this is a weird situation. This entire country is split up on two electrical grids. But Texas decided to go it on their own. They wanted to grift money from their people and put them at risk by putting up a weak grid. And that's what they have. Now, I'm thinking a lot of the storm may have already passed Texas. So we maybe we'll be fine down in Texas. But it's covering some of the south, east coast, and I said some of the Midwest. It's going to be a mess out there. So you folks, please just ride this out. Stay indoors. Don't drive in snow and ice. It's fucking crazy. I'll tell you one thing that I've learned. When I go on the roadways and it's snow and icy, you'll see these big four-wheel trucks, and they'll think they're impervious to any problems because they got four wheels. Well, for getting through snow or mud or something like that, four-wheel drive is nice. But when you have ice on the roadways, four-wheel drive doesn't do shit for you. In fact, it's probably worse because now you got four wheels spinning. So if you get in your big truck with four-wheel drive in a snowstorm like this, don't think you're safe because you're not. You can get in just as much trouble as anybody else. So for those folks in the storm, I wish you the best. We're thinking about you. Just ride this out. Keep it safe. It will end, and then you'll have a chance to dig out and get everything straight again. 
Now, I've been doing a lot of uh, audio lately. Of course, I did the uh, podcast yesterday. I did some TikToks yesterday, but I was on a yet another podcast. I think I told you I was going to be a guest on a podcast called the Extreme Common Sense Podcast. The hosts were Trisden and Ray. I did the show, had a great time. These guys are great guys. Uh, Trisden's about 41. He's a radio guy. Uh, Ray is about my age. In fact, within a couple of months, uh, he's 61. He's been in radio all of his life, not unlike me. Uh, he's still in radio. I'm not, of course, and I'm glad of it. But uh, we had a lot in common, and uh, they were interested in the whole rational boomer thing and how it got started and what are my thoughts on certain things. We talked about some personal personal stories and uh, had a great time. So if you're looking to get some other podcasts to listen to, and these guys are very much in line with the, my thoughts. We we don't agree on everything, but they're normal, decent guys, and uh, they aren't on the Trump side. They aren't on the far right side. They're more left, and I think you'll find it entertaining. They do a good job. They have a lot of guests on, and um, I tell you, the one thing that really made it fun is because I, I enjoy playing off other people. Now, you might say to yourself, well, if you play off people, why don't you have a, a co-host or something like that, or even a guest? And I think I've explained this to you before, but I'll, I'll do it again. Uh, the problem with a co-host is finding one who's willing to do it, especially on the topics we talk about. I've said this before, I think I'm one of the few people that truly can exercise their First Amendment right, meaning saying whatever you think. Because a lot of people will have similar thoughts to mine, but they work for somebody that it might cause them a problem, or their family members might get upset about it because somebody in the family disagrees with them. And I understand that. Nobody wants to put their work life or their family life at risk just to do a fucking podcast. For me, I don't work for anybody, and my family knows exactly who I am, so whatever I say, they expect completely, and most of them agree with me. So I don't have that problem. Now, to get a co-host in here, it's hard to find somebody who has the freedom I have and is willing to talk about the things I want to talk about and in the way I want to talk about them. The other thing with a co-host is you've got to coordinate things. Now, I'm doing a podcast every day, doing it about midnight, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. I can't get a co-host over here then. So I'll just write it out myself. Like I told Triz and uh, Ray, <laughs> I specialize in talking. Not necessarily quality, but I got quantity down to a T. Once I start talking, man, I can go for fucking ever if given the chance. So... Uh, and then it was about the guest. I would love to have guests, and I've thought about having guests, but I don't know who I would have. Here's my thing. I don't want to have guests who are just promoting their podcast. I don't want this to be a perpetual uh, patting people on the back. Now, of course, on Triz and Ray's show, I, uh, the, the Extreme Common Sense podcast, I did promote the show, but only at the end of the podcast. That's not why I was there. We were going to talk. We need to give the folks that are listening some kind of information, some kind of entertainment. It's not just a big fucking commercial, and that's what I want to avoid with this. It doesn't need to be a commercial. The wonderful thing about podcast is there's no rules. 
A lot of podcasters make the mistake, if they've been in radio, is try to emulate radio by doing the podcast. And that's not what you do, at least in my mind. If you want to listen to a radio show, turn on the fucking radio. Podcast is a better vehicle because it's more intimate. There are no rules. There aren't dozens of commercials. It's more about communication, entertainment, information, whatever. But it's a much more comfortable situation. It's more casual than radio. I liked radio when I was in it, but I prefer this. This is this is better. This is better because I'm not restricted at all. And uh, that's the one thing, the one problem with radio. You can't say everything because you work for somebody. And if they don't like it, they tell you to shut up. And if they tell you to shut up enough, they fucking fire you. Well, guess what? On this podcast, nobody can fire me. <laughs> and I'm happy as shit about that. So if you get a chance, I'm on the Extreme Common Sense podcast. I'm not sure when it's going to post, but it should be sometime soon. They have a lot of good shows. I've listened to a number of them just to get a sense of who they were before we talked. And it's a good show, and I would recommend it. And uh, they're doing the same to their listeners for the Rational Boomer podcast. Anyway, let's talk about what's happening in the news. There's a lot of it. The Biden administration and the U.S. military have taken out ISIS leader Al-Karashi. Um, the funny thing about this is the U.S. military, while they were boots on the ground there, they didn't kill al-Karashi, this leader of ISIS. They didn't kill him. They basically did what they did with Osama bin Laden. You see, they knew he was in this building, and it would have been easy to send a drone over, send a missile out, and blow up the whole freaking building. Unfortunately, there were a lot of civilians in that building, so that was not going to work. So much like Osama bin Laden, they sent over 200 Special Forces member to crash the gate and uh, either kill or take prisoner al-Karashi and, and not hurt the civilians. Well, that's not how it turned out. You see, Al-Karashi, this big, tough guy, ISIS leader, is apparently a coward. Because when he saw this happening, he basically blew up the whole floor he was on in that building. And in the process, killed 13 civilians, some family members of Al-Karashi. What a gutless piece of shit. And that's who these people are. They're like any bully. They're all tough until you slap them in the snout. And that's what Joe Biden, the U.S. military, and the special forces were going to do. But they didn't get a chance because he killed himself and all his buddies that were with him on that floor. So the result was good. You know, it's sad that the civilians died, but it's not like the Americans did anything to make it happen. It could have gone much easier, but, you know, these people... These terrorists are known for being uh, suicidal terrorists. I didn't think this guy would be because he's a leader. He's a big shot. But apparently he didn't want to get taken or killed by the Americans. So he killed himself and uh, 13 other civilians. Now, here's the thing you have to understand. You take out the leader of ISIS. You think, oh, my God, we've got control of ISIS. No, no, because... These terrorists are like bugs. As soon as this one is taken out, another one will come behind it. You remember during the Trump um, administration, there was an ISIS leader taken out. 
he was taken out. And then this guy took over. Now this guy is blown away. Now they'll bring in somebody more. But what it does, it kind of demoralizes the uh, the group. It, uh, it d- diminishes them a little bit. It weakens them. And that's almost what you have to do with these people. You've got to take the time, and you've got to take them down a little by little. It's impossible to bomb them all at one point, because if you do that, you're going to impact a lot of civilians. And, of course, we as Americans don't do that. Terrorists do. They love doing that, but we don't. So Al-Qurashi is dead, and uh, I'm glad of it. He's a fucking dirty-ass terrorist, and he deserves to be dead, and so does every other dirty-ass terrorist. And hopefully we can catch some more and uh, start taking these people down. Now, the U.S. intelligence has some new information. They have discovered <laughs> they have discovered that Russia plans to release a propaganda video to justify attacking the Ukraine. Yeah, they're going to create a whole fake video to make it look like the Ukrainians are starting shit so that they can be justified to go into Ukraine and, uh, and invade them and take them over. I wonder if they're still going to do it now, now that everybody knows the deal. And you can credit U.S. intelligence here. A lot of times this kind of thing wouldn't be talked about. But they know once that media comes out, that fake video, it's going to give the wrong perception. So the Americans did the right nonviolent thing. They exposed them for what they were doing and who they are. So I don't know if they're actually going to release this thing. But they were going all out on this thing. They were hiring actors and uh, bringing in military weapons. On this video, they would show how the Ukrainians are committing genocide against Russian-speaking Ukrainians. They had people that were being interviewed and saying, Oh, I saw it. They crucified a baby, and then they killed the mom and made the mom watch the baby dying. And and then they sent in other reporters to talk to people in the same area and said, did that happen? And they said, well, no, of course not. That didn't happen. See, that's the funny thing about our lives today and the world today. It used to be with World War II, you'd go in, you guns a-blazing, and uh, you'd have a flat-out war. But it's a little more insidious now. It's much more insidious now, because it's not just about shooting. In fact, it's less about shooting, and it is about this covert shit. You know, propaganda, lies, bullshit, gaslighting. I guess we know where the Republicans and Donald Trump got their ideas about gaslighting, probably directly from the Russians. They play these fucking games. And, of course, it also leaks into the hacking that the Russians are known to do. They are, they know that getting in a war with America is a no-win situation. We start lobbing nuclear weapons at one another and this world is gone. So that's not going to work. So they try to create chaos or they try to create disinformation. And that's what they did in 2016. As much as these Republicans talk about how there was election fraud in 2020... I'm willing to bet if they went back to investigate it and looked into it, they would find all kinds of election fraud in 2016. 
But that wasn't something we were thinking about then. Nobody brought up election fraud that much because it wasn't a big deal. And that would have been a perfect time for the Russians and Donald Trump to try to cheat. And to be perfectly honest with you, I think that in order for Donald Trump to win, he had to fucking cheat. I mean, he lost by 7 million votes in 2020. Hillary Clinton got 3 million more votes than him in 2016. This guy's not a popular guy with the general public, but of course we have the Electoral College, and that changes everything. But he got his ass kicked in the Electoral College in 2020 as well. But this is kind of how wars are being fought now. Like this thing with the Ukraine and Russia. They've got 100,000 troops on the border, all kinds of weapons. They're shipping in blood and medical supplies. Everything they're doing is showing that they're going to attack the Ukraine. And then they have the audacity to say that the Ukraine government and America are being aggressive toward them, so they're just protecting themselves. Again with the gaslighting, you know, and the projecting. This is classic Donald Trump. If you're doing something bad, instead of saying, yeah, I'm doing it or trying to hide it, instead they say, no, you're doing it. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like four-year-old kids arguing over a toy, but that's what's happening in this world now. And, you know, when we're talking about Russia, we're not talking about anything like America. Vladimir Putin is formerly a KGB agent. He's used to manipulation, lying, deceit, gaslighting, doing all those sorts of things. And that's what he did to Donald Trump. Let's be perfectly honest with you. Uh, Donald Trump is easy. He's an easy guy to manipulate. It's because of his narcissism and his sociopathic nature and even his pathological lying. Donald Trump is an easy mark if you want to sell him something, whether it be a product, a service, or just an idea. It's real easy. And Vladimir Putin knows the trick. See, all you have to do with a narcissist is pay them a compliment. Be kind of deferential to them. Be nice to them. They immediately think, well, this guy thinks I'm a great guy, and I know I'm a great guy. So they're immediately buddies. Except Vladimir Putin knows that Donald Trump is a dipshit. There's no question he knows that. But he knows if he wants to get what he wants, that's all he has to do to Donald Trump. On the other side of the coin, you you see it happening. Uh, You see it, uh, you know, he and uh, Lindsey Graham, South Carolina senator, they're best buddies. They go golfing. They love each other. But then... Lindsey Graham steps up and said, you know, what he said about pardoning January 6th insurrectionist, yeah, that was inappropriate. And on a dime, Donald Trump flips, and he starts throwing Lindsey Graham under the bus. This is his best buddy. This is his greatest supporter. But just because he had the audacity to contradict him, now he's going after him. And he's not an adult, so what he does is he calls names, makes claims, makes threats, creates lies, and that's how he attacks people. And that's, you know, that goes back to the bullying behavior. If somebody comes after you, you go after them harder. In fact, Donald Trump has said as much that that's what he does. It is a strategy. It's a childish strategy, and it's a strategy that doesn't work over the long haul. But Donald Trump, 
It's all he knows how to do. And eventually, the effectiveness of such a thing runs out. And it's starting to run out on Donald Trump now because he doesn't have the power he once had. He's not as... He he doesn't have as much control, and that's driving him nuts because as a narcissist, he needs control. He needs a lot of fucking control, and he's losing it every day. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out with the Russians. Personally, I think the Russians have realized that they've gotten in over their heads. They want to be the tough guys. They figured America would just back off and Ukraine would just fold up and allow them to um, invade them and take them over. But that's not happening. You know, the thing with Joe Biden... Joe Biden comes off as an easygoing guy. He's not very charismatic, so he kind of slides under the radar. But if you really watch him, if you really listen to him, he can be pretty tough. He's certainly far tougher than Donald Trump because Donald Trump bent over for Vladimir Putin at every turn. He deferred to him in every situation. Joe Biden's not doing that now. I mean, the thing you have to understand, as I've said, wars aren't necessarily fought with guns as much as they once were, because there are more effective ways of doing it, quieter ways of doing it. I've talked about this before, and I'll mention it again. What Vladimir Putin has to worry about is not guns or pushback from military. What they have to worry about is sanctions. Now, The Republicans will say Donald Trump did sanctions against Russia. Yeah, they were kind of weak sanctions. The sanctions that Joe Biden is talking about are significant. And the sanctions that other European countries would impose are also significant. Talked about this many times, and we have to keep talking about it. People think Russia is this big, tough country. And yes, they have nuclear arms. They have a big army. But, in, but, but it, that, that's all superficial. That's, that's superficial toughness like any bully would have. They look tough. They act tough. But in, when you get down into the gooey center, eh, they're not so tough. And Russia is not that tough because their economy is tenuous at best. And so because it's tenuous at best, some of the sanctions that Joe Biden is suggesting could pretty much dismantle their economy. It's so weak, it's so bad. By, by Joe Biden just doing a few things and some other European countries doing a few things, it would cause immense problems. And I'll be honest with you, Vladimir Putin doesn't want any part of that. He knows it, and he doesn't want any part of it. But he's like Donald Trump, a narcissist, and he's already made his stand, and he doesn't like to back down. He definitely won't back down unless he looks good. So there's two things that are going to happen here. He's going to do what Donald Trump and every other narcissist does, double down and keep double down, keep doubling down until their opponents give in. Well, I can tell you right now, Joe Biden isn't going to give in. The other European countries aren't going to give in. They know they have the upper hand with these sanctions. They know they could decimate the economy in Russia. So they don't have to back off. They're all concerned about them invading the Ukraine. But if that happens, it's going to be bad news for the Republicans. 
or not the Republicans, the Russians. But when you think about it, they're pretty much the same. Anyhow, so what I think is going to happen here is uh, Vladimir Putin is going to have to back off. But he's not going to tuck tail and run and make it look like he's a coward. There is no way in hell he's ever going to do that. He just he just won't do it. And and Joe Biden knows that, and the Europeans know that. So they want to come up with a remedy for this problem without anybody getting killed, anybody getting invaded. So what they have to do is come to some agreement with Russia and the European countries to allow Russia to pull back without looking bad. I mean, these guys are seriously concerned about how tough and how strong they look. And for them just to back off because they were afraid of sanctions isn't going to work. I mean, they'll walk into a firefight instead of looking weak. So somehow, America, the Europeans, and the Russians are going to have to figure a way out that Vladimir can, Putin can look good after pulling out. <laughs> it's a fucking stupid game. It's an absolute stupid game, and a lot of people struggle and suffer because of it. But it's all about people's egos. And I'll tell you something about egos. Egos, big egos, are the downfall of any men that it's important to. Ego will always get you. You will always fail if you live by ego. And that's what Vladimir Putin does. That's what Donald Trump does, and that's what a lot of politicians do. Ultimately, it ends for them because it can't go on forever. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back. All right, so I got to talk about this story. This story is fucking ridiculous. It's stupid, and it's a little bit funny. And it's really not political, but it involves somebody who's involved in this political mess that we're dealing with now. Have you ever watched the show The Masked Singer. Now, I haven't really watched it much. I'm sure it's a decent show, but I'm just not into that shit. I'm not into seeing people singing these elaborate, ridiculous costumes and these heads, uh, these masks over them. I'm sure it's interesting because these people come out, and then you have celebrity judges that are trying to decide who it is. I could see how that could be kind of fun. It's just not my thing. Well, they recently were recording shows for the upcoming year. And they did a show the other day that won't be aired for about a month, it sounds like. And they had one of these singers, masked, dancing around singing, and all the celebrities were trying to decide who it was. Well, nobody got who it was. Nobody had any idea. And it's not surprising, given who it was. When it finally came down to the reveal and taking the mask off the singer on the mask singer, guess who it was? <laughs> it was fucking Rudy Giuliani. Are you fucking kidding me? Who thought that was a good idea? Anyway, when he's unmasked and we see it's Rudy Giuliani, two of the celebrity hosts, Ken Jung, who is from Hangover fame, and singer Robin Thicke of the Horizontal Lines fame, uh, they stood up and they walked the fuck off. They were appalled by this, and I applaud them for that. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous 
for this network and this show to do. I mean, Rudy Giuliani is going to be indicted. He's going to be prosecuted, and he's going to go to jail. He was seriously part of the attempt to overturn the election in 2020 and overthrow this government. And somehow, someway, these dumb fucks at this station or, or this show and this network decided, let's have Rudy on. Now, they know what's going on around Rudy. They can't possibly think this is a good idea. But it doesn't matter if it's tasteful or, or, or anything like that. It goes to what we see in all of media today. There's only one thing important. Does it get viewers? How are the ratings? And can we make more money? So they were willing to sacrifice their integrity for viewers and for money to put this piece of shit on the air. I mean, this guy is essentially a seditionist, a treasonist. And you put him on the show and glorify him in this show, let him dance around and sing. I can't even imagine uh, Giuliani knows how to sing. Why would you pick him, for Christ's sake? But anyway, they unmask him. The two judges walk off, and uh, people are pretty appalled. Now, as I've said, I don't watch the show, but I might from time to time if it sounded interesting. But now, I'm not watching that fucking show. These people are despicable that are running this show. They made a horrible choice, and uh, they knew better. It was just all about money and ratings. And the thing about it is, is this Masked Singer is a hugely popular show. But you can bet it's going to get kickback. The cancel culture will step in. And uh, they're going to have problems. They're going to lose money. They're going to lose sponsors. They're going to lose a lot of stuff. And it wasn't even necessary. Of all the B-grade celebrities in this world, you needed to get Rudy Giuliani, for Christ's sake. That is so stupid, I cannot believe it. The person who hired Rudy Giuliani for this show should be fired immediately. There should be some show of uh, of uh, regret from this show, because otherwise they are going to take a quick dive. Because a lot of people are going to walk away from them and not watch the show anymore. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's really the epitome of the state of media in this country, whether we're talking about the mass singer, or we're talking about MSNBC or Fox News or OAN or CNN. That is the problem in this country. There's very little integrity in the media. It's all about ratings. It's all about money. And they will do any fucking thing they have to to get it. And what does that do? Well, all it does for us, especially with the news networks, we get a lot of half information. We don't get all the information. And they do everything they can to work us up, get excited, get mad, get happy, get sad, strike some kind of emotion. So we will continue to watch. The fact that there's truth or actual facts that we need to know, be damned. They don't care about that. And that's troubling because the media in this country has a big impact on how we think as a nation. I mean, a good example would be the base for Donald Trump. These fucking people only watch Fox News. Now, Fox News is a misnomer because it's not a news uh, network. 
In fact, if you look how it's registered, it's an entertainment network. When these people have been sued for telling the wrong information on the air, they go to court and say, look, I'm not really a newsman. Nobody would believe what I say. Unfortunately, a lot of people believe what they say. They believe these people are news people, that this is a news network, and it's not. It's a fucking fluff machine. They just throw out red meat for the uh, toothless Trumplicans that eat it up like it's good. We've got a problem with the media here. I've said it before. I said it in another podcast. I blame the media for Donald Trump even becoming president by making him a legitimate candidate. At first, he wasn't a legitimate candidate, but by putting him on TV, on MSNBC or Fox News, for that matter, every day, he got um, a higher profile. People thought he was a little crazy, but they thought, oh, man, this will be good for the country. Well, we find out it is horrific for the country, and it's going to take us decades to dig out from under the shit Donald Trump left us in. I really... I'm disappointed in the media. And this situation with the mass Singer is uh, just the latest in disappointments I've seen in our media. And those pe- people with the uh, uh, mass Singer, shame on you. I mean, really, shame on you. Do you not care about this country? Do you not care about our free and fair elections? Do you care whether you put a potential felon who's also a treasonist on your show? Apparently, you don't. I hope you lose a lot of listeners because you should. At least you still can count on the 30 to 35 percent of Donald Trump's base. They will have loved that fucking show. I don't know. It's upsetting. It's annoying. Now, I got a question from somebody on TikTok, and I found it really an interesting question. I said I'd talk about it, and and it actually makes sense. I never really thought about this concept. And this person said, did Trump feel emboldened because there were no consequences for Richard Nixon? Many of his administration went to jail, but he got a pardon. Did Donald Trump look at the Nixon administration and say, hey, he got away with it. I could too. My immediate reaction to that is, yeah, probably not, because Donald Trump doesn't know shit about history. He doesn't read. But some of the people that worked around him maybe saw that circumstance or remembered that circumstance with With Richard Nixon, he was a criminal. He should have been indicted, he should have been prosecuted, and he would have been convicted. But he resigned. He cut a deal with Gerald Ford, who took over as president, and Gerald Ford pardoned him by saying, well, it would just be rough on our country if we are indicting and prosecuting a former president. I'm doing it for the country. Fuck you, Gerald Ford. You cut a deal. You went to being a vice president when Spiro Agnew Uh, was indicted. They made you the vice president. And when Donald Trump was about to be indicted, they made you president. You didn't even get elected to be in the White House, whether it be vice president or um, the president. And as we all know, Gerald Ford was one of the few one-term presidents. He wasn't horrific, but he wasn't great. Um, But 
The fact that Richard Nixon paid no price for his crime, did that cause Donald Trump to feel more comfortable with doing the crimes he did? Well, maybe partly. But the thing you have to understand about Donald Trump, he has never been accountable for anything. He's lived in a wealthy family. He fucks up with some regularity. But somehow, some way, somebody in his family, generally his dad when he was alive, bails him out. Say he takes a big loss in the world of business, dad bails him out. Say he does something stupid, says something stupid, um, he's bailed out. He gets a lot of enablers. Now, it was his father for a time. Now it's his family to a certain extent, Ivana, Ivanka, um, Donnie Jr., and Eric. Despite the fact he was a horrible father, had nothing to do with raising them, he has money, so they bend over backwards and kiss Daddy's ass because they want his money. What they don't know, he probably doesn't have nearly the money that they think he does. But the other people that are enabling Donald Trump, of course, are the Republicans and all the base, the trump He can virtually say anything, anything. He can say something treasonous. He can com- confess to being a treasonous, like he did in Texas. And they still enable him. I have to give Donald Trump credit. He does a hell of a job manipulating people. He can manipulate them so well that even the stupidest things are accept, accepted by the people who enable him. Richard Nixon's situation, that may have had some impact. I would think it'd be more, like I say, from his administration, people that are smarter that say, well, Nixon did this, he got away with it, you'll get away with it too. But with Donald Trump directly, that's just his life. That's been his life since he was born. He's had everything handed to him, and every time he fails, he gets bailed out. He gets excused. There are excuses made for him. He's never had to suffer defeat because somebody always saved him. So I think that has more to do with why Donald Trump felt emboldened to commit the crimes he did. He's always gotten away with it before. Fact is, he doesn't know any better. He thinks that whatever comes out of his mouth is the absolute gospel coming direct from God. And once it comes out of his mouth, it can't be anything but correct. He has no idea that there's ever any situation where he could be wrong. And if somebody calls him out and says he's wrong, well, then he attacks them. He calls them names. He threatens them. That's just Donald Trump. That's his life. That's how he was raised. I think it has more to do with that than Richard Nixon. But the Richard Nixon thing didn't help. But here's the one thing we should take note of when we look at the Donald Trump years. Donald Trump exposed a lot of weaknesses in our government. A lot of things that happened during the Trump administration had never happened before. Because in the White House, in the Oval Office, in Congress, in the Senate, there are these norms, these things that are lines that nobody would cross. Presumably, there would be serious punishment if you crossed those lines. But when Donald Trump came in, crossed those lines, we found out, yeah, there's no fucking punishment. A president can literally do anything he wants, and that's exactly what Donald Trump did. People can lie, they can cheat, they can 
cause an insurrection at our capital, and they get away with it. Now, of course, the foot soldiers and soldiers in the uh, in the insurrection are getting charged and prosecuted and and convicted. And I suspect we will see members of Congress and people in the White House as well getting indictments and getting prosecuted. But that's because it's so egregious. I mean, it's it's something that has to be uh, addressed. Otherwise, we're at risk of having it happen again. Donald Trump did a lot of things that went against the norms in our government. And for decades and decades and decades, everybody who was in the White House or in Congress knew about those norms and stayed away from them because they figured there would be serious ramifications from crossing the lines. During Donald Trump, we find out, yeah, there's no big deal, no big deal. Nobody's getting indicted. Everybody gets away with it. As long as you have power in the Senate, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Now, that in itself is a dangerous thing to be exposed because people held back and didn't step over the line with these norms because they feared something. Now that Donald Trump has done what he's done, there's nothing to fear. Now, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, you already know that you're going to get away with it. So why wouldn't you do it? So to answer this person's question, I don't think Richard Nixon had a lot to do with Donald Trump doing what he's doing. But I think Donald Trump will have uh, have an influence on maybe future presidents and congressmen and senators. And that's where the dangerous part is. This is why... Donald Trump, the Congress, and all these people involved need to be held accountable. They need to be prosecuted. They need to be responsible for what happened. Because, yeah, maybe Nixon's situation maybe gave some people some freedom to do crazy things or illegal things. But nothing like what Donald Trump just did. Donald Trump opened the door wide, showed that our government was weak, and there were no ramifications from anything you fucking do. And if you think it's just limited to Republicans, you're mistaken. It could be a Democrat next time around. It's not about the parties as much as about the integrity of the people holding the office. And there are people of low integrity in the Democratic side as well. And there are people that will just say, well, it's there. I can do it. I can get away with it. I'm going to do it. So I think Donald Trump's influence on the future is far more important than what Richard Nixon did. It opened some doors. It opened some eyes. And people were relieved that that Nixon got off. But I think, I think Donald Trump damaged this uh, system far more. And it exposed it for its many weaknesses. And that's something we need to address. We need to shore that up. We need to fix it. Otherwise, there are going to be immense problems in this country. What we saw with Donald Trump won't be the last time we see it. Well, it's interesting. We've got the uh, Winter Olympics coming up. Actually started already. And, uh, you know, I remember when Olympics came up, whether it be the Winter Olympics or the Summer Olympics, it was an exciting time. People was all, always anxious about seeing the Olympics and uh, watching the stars emerge from their respective sports. But it's funny right now, it's not quite the same. I'll give you an example. 
remember 1980. If you're too young, you probably don't remember. But you will have heard the stories. 1980, Winter Olympics. There was a lot of great things going on there. Eric Hyden, Linda Fradiani, and the Miracle on Ice team. The USA hockey team that beat Russia and won the gold. I mean, it was fucking amazing. It was probably the most excited uh, this country has been in a long, long time. In fact, people still look at it as the greatest sports upset and greatest sports accomplishment in history. Now, I was kind of lucky. I was about 20 years old at the time, and I actually had some friends, close friends, on the Miracle on Ice team. I grew up with Mike Ramsey, who was a uh, defenseman. We were very close friends. We still talk now and again. He was on that team. I also worked at a radio station that covered the Minnesota Gophers, the hockey team, which Mike Ramsey played on. Uh, They had won the national championship in 79, and many of those players went from the Gophers to the Olympic team because Herb Brooks, the Minnesota coach, was the coach of the Olympic team. So a lot of the players from Minnesota I knew, too, because, you know, my close friend, I had two friends on the team. Um, in 1979 with the Minnesota Gophers, and I got a chance to meet some of the other peoples, the Neil Broughton, Phil Vercota, uh, Steve Kristoff, stuff like that. And they ended up on the Olympic team. So when that happened, it had an amazing effect. It was such a joyous moment. It was unexpected. And it brought this country together like nothing else. It wasn't about Democrat or Republican, black or white, Jew or Gentile. It wasn't anything like that. It was America, and we were all together. And we couldn't have been prouder of our Olympic team than we were in 1980. It was an amazing time. It was crazy. Uh, I remember when they came back, and the, the uh, hockey team had a, had a um, parade through downtown Minneapolis. It was literally a ticker tape parade, and I'd never seen one before. It was pretty crazy, and it had a huge effect on the country. But what I find funny now is you don't hear people talking about or being excited about the Olympics anymore. There's so many other fucked up things going on, things that people are interested in or worried about. They don't have time to think about the Olympics, and that is sad. Now, the Olympics are going to be on TV, and I'm going to watch them because I enjoy watching the skating, the hockey, the skiing, all the different things. But I'm willing to bet that the ratings on this thing are probably low. They're more likely to turn on Fox or MSNBC and see what other fucked up political things are going or who's getting indicted or who's getting subpoenaed. And that's a pretty sad thing. One of the things we need to do in this country is come together, unite this country. And there is nothing going on in politics or business or just the regular news that would do that. It would be wonderful if something happened at the Olympics that caused people in this country to unite again, to be thought of as one country, America, and not our little separate subsets. But I don't see that happening. There's probably some very talented Olympians, but they aren't getting the attention that we used to give Olympians. I mean, from a little kid, every time the Olympics came around, I sat down and watched them. I thought they were cool. They were important. But nowadays, they don't seem as important. 
And then, of course, this Olympics is in China. We've got all kinds of political strife with China, and that doesn't help matters much. Throw in the pandemic, and it's fucked up even more. It's a sad state this country is in. We've got uh, one of the most exciting events we ever see, and nobody's paying attention. Or not enough people are paying attention. There's too many other things to distract us, to concern us, to worry us. We don't have time to focus on a little joy, a little fun, a little entertainment, and a little competition. And that's sad. That's pretty sad. I hope we can get back to the point where the Olympics are an important time for us to watch and kind of get together on. Last thing I wanted to talk about, um, I was... I saw a short clip on MSNBC, and Mika Brzezinski, she's the co-host with uh, Joe, whatever the fuck his name is. You know, it's it's called Morning Joe. Now, here's my first take on the show. I like the show, but I don't really like the show. Here's what I don't like about Joe. Joe's a former politician. He's a sharp guy. He's a good broadcaster. He does a good show. And interestingly enough, he's married to Mika Brzezinski, who is uh, the daughter of Zbigniew Brzezinski, who was once the um, national security advisor. And I don't remember for which president. It might have been George H.W. Bush. But she is the daughter, and she is the co-host, and she's married to Joe. And they do the show, and it's a fine show and all this stuff. But what really annoys me, Mika is a very smart woman, and she makes some good points. But all the time she's trying to make a point, Joe is constantly interrupting her. Now, even if you have something important to say, you should be smart enough not to interrupt your wife. If I interrupted my wife like that, I would get my ass kicked. So I don't do it. But just for the sake of the show, the continuity of the show, let her talk. And then you can talk. Let her talk. And then you can talk. you got to be more professional than that. I find that very annoying. I find it very arrogant. And personally, I think Joe's kind of arrogant anyway. Not that he's not smart or he doesn't say the things I like to hear. He is a former Republican, but he's denounced that because of the whole Trump thing. Anyway, I get off track here. What I wanted to mention is Mika, who I do like, was uh, appalled by the fact that Whoopi Goldberg was getting canceled because of her comments of the Holocaust not being about race. Now, I'm sure Mika and Whoopi Goldberg are buddies, and that's fine. But what Whoopi Goldberg said was absolutely fucking ignorant. To be honest with you, I said that in the last podcast, that why are we listening to comedians about politics? They don't know shit from shit. They got a lot of money. They can't relate to us. They're worried about their own fame and their own business. So now we're going to listen to them about politics simply because they have a large platform. Well, that's fucking stupid. And here's the thing. Cancel culture is something you can control. You can control not being canceled. Everybody bitches about cancel culture like they can find a way to stop it. No, you can't. People find out you say or do something stupid and they cancel you. Well, that's just the price you're going to have to pay. You can't stop it. You can't change it. This is about people's mentalities, their integrity, about their their sensitive sensibilities. 
If they don't like what you did, they're going to say, fuck them. I don't want to see them. You can call it cancel culture if you want, but it's just human nature to not like somebody who does or says something stupid. And what Whoopi did there was fucking stupid. I don't know what her point was because I didn't hear the whole quote. But the fact of the matter is the Holocaust was all about race. Now, if you're suggesting that the Jewish people are being Jewish is not a race, you're fucking wrong. It is. Or to even mention the Holocaust in any any conversation. That's the thing that that amazes me. We have a lot of bad things going on in this country. And everybody wants to compare it to the Holocaust, presumably because that's the worst thing ever. Don't fucking talk about the Holocaust. Don't compare it. Unless you were there, you don't know how bad it was. And it's disturbing and it's, it's disrespectful for somebody to try to compare the Holocaust to something today. Now, of course, the Republicans, Marjorie Taylor Greene and all these idiots are doing it all the time with the pandemic. But you see the Democrats doing it, too. Just shut up about the Holocaust. It was a horrific time in history. Six million people were killed unnecessarily. These people were completely innocent, and they were murdered by a madman in a country that was dangerous at the time. Don't get your news information from comedians. And to those people out there that do have a platform, don't compare shit to the Holocaust. There is no comparison. No comparison at all. You can't do it. And you weren't there. You don't know anything about it, so shut the fuck up. And Mika can be upset because her friend is getting canceled, but her friend has been on TV for fucking decades. She should know better. If you're not sure, keep your mouth shut. Don't do stupid things, but here's, here's the deal. These people get successful, and they get arrogant, and they think they can say anything. That's always the downfall of these clowns. This is why they get canceled, because they're arrogant. And they think whatever they say, people are going to fall all over them, believing it and trusting in them because they're so smart. fact of the matter is they aren't that fucking smart, and they just proved it by doing what they did. So if you're crying about cancel, getting canceled, what you're really crying about is people hearing shit you're saying, not liking it, and then all of a sudden not liking you. What the hell else do you think is going to happen? Of course that's going to happen. So stop being a crybaby, apologize, back up on it, and don't try to double down on it. Just apologize and hope for the best and hope people forgive you. Instead of fighting about it or complaining that it's not fair. Fuck, it's not fair. There's nothing in this world that's fair. It's not fair that kids are starving and did lost their child tax credit. It's not fair that people are struggling in the streets. It's not fair. And that is far worse than being canceled for saying something stupid. So, Mika, I like you best on the show. I think you're very smart. But... Don't worry about saving your friends if they're doing something stupid. Let them be responsible, be accountable, and make amends for it. All right, we're going to wrap it up for the Rational Boomer Podcast. I want to thank you for spending the time you do with me. Again, check out the uh, Extreme Common Sense Podcasts. I 
did one of the shows. I think you'll find it entertaining. Maybe find some things out you didn't know about me. And these guys that do the show, Triz and Ray, great guys. They do a great show. It's worth listening to. All right, you have a great day, and we will be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.